everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 153. Today we are continuing the Francis Ford Coppola Corner with a review of the 2009 film Tetro, followed by our main review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So without further ado, let's get into our Francis Ford Coppola Corner. Welcome into my office here in the Napa Valley. I want to uh, just take a moment with you as I try to film this myself. I'm holding my camera in my hand. And I want to talk to you about my new film called Tetro. T-E-T-R-O. Tetro is the name of the principal character. It's an original screenplay and really the first original screenplay that I've written since the conversation many years ago. The reason why so much time has gone by before doing the work that I really always wanted to do is sort of about how my career went and uh, took me in other areas that I didn't expect to go. All right, everybody. So for our Coppola Corner, this is uh, we, we are in the, the home stretch here, basically. If this is your first time um, listening, basically for the Francis Ford Coppola Corner, we've been reviewing every Francis Ford Coppola directed film since Dimension 13 all the way up into his newest film that will be coming out. So technically, we are taking a brief hiatus after we finish the last film next podcast. But um, some of us are also celebrating watching these films by uh, enjoying some some light refreshing beverages as i understand yeah so no, we, we originally when we originally did the coppola corner we we marco and i met up and we had always we got for the first couple uh we, we, had, we had a few dates coppola wines <laughs> and this time around we just we we're just at our own homes but i'm drinking this sophia rose it's just you know named after his daughter little can and I'm drinking. I'm drinking. Dripping. <laughs> it is kind of dripping down well, my there throat. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and so it begins. Um, Francis Coppola's Pinot Noir. Yeah. So we stopped doing it a while ago because I got trashed during one of the podcasts. And it was. <laughs> it was kind of hard to figure out what I was trying to say most of the time. So. So but, you thus know, we we're trying to experiment the, again. Yeah. For the last two, I thought let's just let's go for it. Fuck it. You know. Let's just let's celebrate Coppola wine with the Coppola movie. So, though, um, what he's not telling you is that these are the canned versions because we're yes, very we fancy. Do. Yeah, I'm drinking the sparkling can version, so it's uh, with a straw that doesn't seem like it's very. I don't know why there's a straw. I'm not gonna lie. It's very it's classic. Si- it's maybe it's a sipping drink. Yeah, just just sip and enjoy, just like his films, his later films at least. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are going to give you some trivia. Our last movie that we reviewed from him was a 2007 film, Youth Without Youth. We had some pretty mixed feelings about that. I know Nabil liked that one a lot better, but um, <laughs> we want to give you the... There's not too much trivia between Youth Without Youth to Tetro because there's, there's only a two-year gap, not like a 10-year gap like it was last time. So uh, we will give you some info here. All right. So, as always, we like to give a little bit of trivia between the previous movie and the next one. So, some trivia involving uh, the, I guess, journey from Youth Without Youth to Tetro is in February 2007, Coppola announced that he would produce and direct the film Tetro based on a script that he had written while editing Youth Without Youth. Production scheduled to begin in Buenos Aires, Argentina in late 2007. Coppola was attracted to Argentina as a location. Quote, I knew Argentina has a great cultural, artistic, literary, musical, and cinema tradition. And I like those kinds of atmospheres very much because you usually find creative people to work with. End quote. 
Production did not begin as scheduled, and by March uh, 2008, Vincent Gallo and Maribel Verdu joined the cast. The Spanish company Tornasol Films and Italian company BIM Distribution signed with the director to co-produce the film. Production began on March 31st, 31st, 2008, with a budget of $5 million, with Coppola using the production style similar to his previous film, Youth Without Youth. Filming took place in La Boca and Buenos Aires and other parts of the capital city. Filming also followed in the Andean foothills in Patagonia and at Ciudad de la Luz Studios in Alicante, Spain. The entire project was edited using Final Cut Pro on Apple Mac computers in a specially designed large screen edit suite built by Masasuyuki. The film received general positive reviews from critics. Thank you, guys. And so let's get on with our review of Tetro. Actually, they're, they're very much in love. That's love? People around here don't know much about me. I'd like to keep it that way. Miranda doesn't even know who our father is. When I met him, he said he was a writer. And he held everything he had written against his friends. So what was it about? So Tetro, sitting at 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. The story goes, when teenage Benny arrives in Argentina to look for his long-estranged brother, Tetro, he finds not the idolized sibling from his youth, but a tormented and self-destructive soul who has abandoned his brilliant career as a writer. After Tetro rejects him, Benny risks his brother's wrath by secretly completing one of his plays and submitting it for consideration for a prestigious literary prize. Once again, directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola, as James has mentioned, we are doing his complete filmography from start to finish because we are the Francis Ford Coppola podcast. Take that movie, friends. We've got to you know, jab at them every time. Mm-hmm. Tetra was written by Francis Ford Coppola. It released on May 14th, 2009. Had a budget, as mentioned before, of $5 million. Its box office gross was... A mere two point six million. So you know, I, I will say this much: this movie did not get a wide release, though. Yeah, this um, is an indie film, way indie. Yeah, film. And, yeah, and and as we talked about in the last film, like he he's beyond the point of like making money for his movies from what he had said about you know after <laughs> you that you bombed. Like he was like, "Fuck it." Yeah, it's all it's all about the art, baby. You know that expression, but yeah, you know it's a Coppola special. You know, not. At this point, not really making much at the box office. The movie stars Vincent Gallo as Tetro, Alden Ehrenreich as Benny, and Maribel Verdu as Miranda. So we always like to start with our history of the movie and if we've seen it before. So I'll go ahead and start with Nabil on this one. Nabil, uh, what's your history with Tetro and have you seen it before? 
Uh, you know, I've not seen the film. The only history I could ever say that I've had of this is I, I feel like I've seen the poster of this film when we were looking mm-hmm. at it. I think I've seen it like at Hollywood Video or Blockbuster, kind of always up over there. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Like, I'd always seen the DVD, but I'd never watch it. If, maybe if I knew it was a Francis Ford Coppola film at the time, I might have picked it up. But yeah, yeah. The, the most experience or exposure I've had to it is is seeing it on a DVD shelf some somewhere a long time ago. <laughs> Back in the old days. Right on. Uh, what about you, James? What's your experience with Tetro, and have you seen it before? No, never seen it. Uh, I, I'm with Nabil. I, I, I want to say this was one of those movies. Remember, like, Blockbuster used to have, like, exclusive movies? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Rent or something? This might have been mm-hmm. one of them, man, because they would get some indie ones sometimes, because I swear I've seen this poster of this movie as well mm-hmm. before. So at least over, like, Youth Without Youth, which was, like, I never heard of. I think I've actually come across this as well but i've I've, once again never never seen it though so and once again didn't even know it was coppola either so Hmm. i'm sort of with you guys i i have never heard of it before never seen it before it sounded familiar to me and i don't know why and yeah when i saw the thumbnail of the movie when i watched it it did look familiar but i i don't remember why or if i'd seen it or maybe it looks like something similar to what i've seen but I I'd never heard of it at all. I mean, so. you're in the movie. You're Tetra, aren't you? Basically, dude. It's <laughs> uh, your life. Auto- autobiography. I, well, wait, 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 wait. Not, not all. Not 100%. There's, woo, there's a scene in there where I was just like, God damn it, dude. Every time. Every time. But whatever. So with that said, uh, Nabil, what did you think of Tetro? You know, watch listening to the the description of the film made me realize how much there was between where the film starts to when they get to the main part of the him Benny submitting to play. <laughs> so I was like, oh, there's like a whole thing, and it just kind of tells you not a lot really happens, but there is so much that actually does happen mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, and it's it's all through the writing, it's all through the character development and the relationship with Tetro and Benny, and I really enjoy this film. I thought it was this. I, this is another kind of artistic Coppola, beautifully shot, well written film where he put some thought and took some time with it. Even though it was only a couple of years, like I'll be, um, I think I read somewhere too that this is something that he had tossed around a long time ago, but then mm-hmm. just kind of um, like he had an idea for it, and then came across this kind of script that that he decided to, to really go in and to make a film from, but it was like a film that he's wanted to make in a long, for a long time. Um, and it, you can see that it's just a, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's a lot of good things I have to say about this film. All right. Right on. Uh, what about you, James? What were your thoughts on Tetra? I, um, is surprisingly, I, I quite like this movie actually, uh, as opposed to youth without youth, which just, I think was all over the place. This one still has that art house feel to it, but I think it does a better job of just kind of centralizing what the hell it's about as opposed to the previous movie where they're just like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like they didn't have to Google Google this plot. So yeah, um, Yeah. no Wikipedia. I really liked, I really liked the performances in this too. Um, I wasn't even aware Alden Ehrenreich. This was like his first movie he ever did. He was still in high school when he actually got cast. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So I, and I think he does a, it, you can tell that I'm like, Oh, this guy has some really good star power, you know, like acting and such. It, it, it's a very quiet film and it's very, it reminded me almost of like a play, 
if that makes sense, especially all the scenes like in the apartment and such like that. They all seem mm-hmm. like things like that. And I guess Vincent Gallo, um, I wasn't aware like he's had like a pretty troubled past and all this shit. I don't know if you guys looked into that. And his, his casting of this was considered kind of um, this would like be casting like, like if you con- cast like Shia LaBeouf in a movie right now or something like that. So this is yeah. very controversial. Yeah, well, he was like hot shit in the 90s, right? He I was never seen it, but he was like up and coming artistic actor. He, yeah, well, he was also up and coming director, too. So he, he did yeah. some stuff with Christina Ricci. I guess that's kind of questionable. So. So like I I looked into that too and it's just like okay sometimes you know people take different paths and I thought everything was really well acted the twist to it all was kind of cool and I don't know the black and white I I I really felt like this was almost like um Rumblefish 2.0 like does that make sense <laughs> it's very similar about like a yeah. brother, brothers and relationships and family and I mean they're also both shot in black and white which is kind of crazy and um Kind of like just quiet films, is like I say, like there's a lot of just talking, but I liked it. James, I, I was James very surprised, mumbling Rumblefish the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> fucking sweating, he's smoking a yeah. cigarette, like fucking in a white beater, <laughs> yeah, fucking Mickey Rourke, just well, what do you need? I got the fish, right? So yeah, Rumblefish, they're blue, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I thought it was also I agree with the bill. I thought it was beautifully shot, and the the soundtrack to it all too. The orchestra music it was really good, so. Kind of has to be right. <laughs> yeah, kind of is, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I I liked it. I I think I'm I'm with you guys. I liked. I didn't. I mean, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I do agree that it's it's very artsy. It's very indie. I, I did like that he took a black and white approach and went that route. I thought the same, James. It did remind me of Rumblefish as well. I'm like, huh, it's like a second attempt, and yeah, yeah. It had to do with. Uh, you know, brothers, quote unquote, up until the twist. And yeah, it was well acted for sure. I mean, uh, we, we got back to back, uh, Maribel Verdu movies too. I'm, I'm all about her, man. She's yeah, great. Right? Actor. Yeah. I was like, Oh shit. The flash's mom. Uh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, I think also did a great job too. Um, I've, I haven't seen a lot of them, you know, with the exception of solo. And there's one other movie he did too. El but, Caesar? uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah, man, he's talented. You know, it's kind of a shame. You know, he's not really getting much, much more work. Vincent Gallo, I, he's he looks familiar, but I I I really can't pinpoint it. He he looks like Sean Penn. I thought I almost thought it was Sean Penn. <laughs> and so I mean, hey, almost similar stories, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, man. He's like Sean Penn 2.0. Okay. Um, but yeah, very well acted. The chemistry was there. You you could feel the tension between Tetro and his brother Benny. Uh, if if you have siblings, I think you can relate to this, and and you can really um, feel that sense of wanting to connect with your brother. You know, because I mean, I, everybody has that sibling rivalry growing up. You know, at some point or another, maybe you don't. I don't know, but I did at some point. So it was uh, it was a very touching script and story at that and then uh yeah. the the this the the performances from even the side characters uh there was there's an actor i don't remember his name but he's a he's a very i should remember his name he's a very famous spanish actor he was the guy who owned the theater yeah. but he's actually he's Jose in money heist yeah he's in money heist uh i think season the last two seasons he's in money heist really? Okay. Yeah, and he's also he also stars with Gal Garcia Bernal in uh, the Motorcycle Diaries. 
So uh, he's a very talented actor as well, too. It's nice to see him. It's very nice to see all these uh, Spanish it's, actors. Uh, that, Rodrigo uh, de la Serna. Yes, that's him. Thank you, I'm James. probably butchering his fucking name. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. But Alberto. He, but yeah, his his part wasn't that big, but man, he gives it his all 100% everyone. Um the the young the young girl and, and and her aunt also like give great performances too. Like at at no point did anyone just phone it in, you know? Which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, um I think that added to just uh immersing you into the movie. Especially so, as um, opposed to the previous movie where I felt like it's the performances were very uneven. Like some yeah. people were really good, some people were like, "Oh my god, what, what's going on?" I feel exactly. like everyone was very good in this movie. And yeah, I, I agree with you, James. Um, the the plot was very easy to understand. You didn't need to, you know, pull Wikipedia. out Wikipedia or anything of like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I still don't know what Youth Without Youth was about. Yeah. With 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 that being said, what were what did what did you think of, of the plot? Um, what were your thoughts on that? I liked it. It it goes. It's like Nabil said. It starts as one thing, really, where it's like a guy that you know he 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 really looked up to his brother his whole life and his brother left and it, it kind of broke his heart. Right. Because it's, you know, they, they lived with a, a father that was, uh, you know, not the greatest guy in the world. Yeah. And he's always been like kind of looking forward. He even brings up like everything that he knows that he, he learned from his brother. Right. He learned from Tetro and mm-hmm. like, he's like, the reason why I like to write is because of you and blah, blah. And then, you know, we go through that whole thing where Tetro feels betrayed by him. So Benny finds the play that he just never completed. And then I, I liked that he he just goes off and is like, fuck it, I'll just do it. I did think it was weird that they were kind of cool about it for a little bit near the end. <laughs> like, like, like he goes with them to the damn yeah. thing. And I was like, yeah. that's a little weird. That'd be but nice. it, but it, I think it, it, it kind of sets that up because the because of the age difference. I mean, the, you can tell that you know Tetra's way older than than yeah. Benny. Yeah, definitely. And it it, yeah. it almost feels because their father was so you know missing in action that he was like a pseudo father to Benny already. Yes, which you know leads into the plot where it's like it's revealed later about it, and then you know it makes sense, and that kind of destroys yeah. Benny thinking about that because I don't know, it just shows how evil the the dad was. So. Yeah. I think I think that well I think the father was very egotistical, right? Like he his ego came before anything else in his life. Yeah, he and even so he had like to be the best. Even changed had his brother changed his name first or something before he right. changed his and he's yeah. like, wait, but that's our name. Like, yeah, but now you can change. Yeah. They and they did a very good job at kind of piecing it with the flashbacks. Some movies do flashbacks horribly. I think the flashbacks were handled pretty well with this. Yeah, um, they like go, how they, they showed it in, too. Yeah. Um. Uh, on that, any any of the the scenes in the plot that stood out to you, Nabil, that kind of showcased the plot or the, the performances for you? I think one of the first scenes with um, Tetro and Benny at the cafe. You know, they're just kind of sitting there, and they're, you know, mm-hmm. Benny's trying to get to know his brother, and his brother's setting the ground rules, and yeah. at the same time, everything that's happening around him, like, it's so chaotic, <laughs> so chaotic. like, that kind of set the film up for me, like, okay, these guys are all living their lives, Benny's just kind of jumped in through it, thrown into it, and Tedra's like, this is my life, and I don't want you to change anything, you know, kind of thing, and that kind of goes through it, like, he, Benny's slowly trying to chip away at what Tetro's built to kind of get to the core of mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm your brother and I want to get to know you kind of thing. And, and to, throughout the whole film, like I love Vincent Gallo's performance here because the whole thing, Tetro's an asshole whole film. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, 
but but shit. people love him though because he means well, right? Mm. Like there's there's a little bit of heart of gold, but he's still an asshole to everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and they and they they continue to talk about like how genius he is. I, I think one of the Miranda signs, Miranda brings it up. Yeah, Miranda says like he's a he's a he's a genius who's who has not accomplished anything. <laughs> You know, yeah, that, that yeah. was a funny thing. This is what that's like, what he is. Right? And, yeah. you know, Wayne you can tell that he, he that it's this guy's traumatized and it's he's he's an asshole, not you know, for the sake of being an asshole, but he's seriously troubled. You know, there's some right. shit yeah, they that, even show him in cost, like a that's how he met Miranda. He was in mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So yeah. I mean that I think scene really stood out for me. And then the the scene near the end where Tetro is kind of standing up to um I the the credit cologne. Um, not really standing up to her, but more just saying I, it's he kind of came to a self-realization of who he was mm-hmm. by saying that, you know, I, I don't really care much about your opinion. Um, and it seemed like he was he was likely to win the prize. But that kind of cemented of like his whole feeling and everything is like, I don't want to mm-hmm. be famous for the sake of fame. You know, he just wants to do his art. And that's yeah, all it oh, is. And yep. so that kind of came full kinda circle meta. for him yeah kind of meta it very much is for Coppola's own career yeah, yeah. at this, uh, point, I, at this I, point I his career at least. yeah yeah that, that's kind of how i saw it too i was like oh very meta i see what you did there i see what you did there coppola yeah. um a, a, anything that stood out for you james no i mean i'm just piggybacking on that too i the cafe yeah. scene is one of the the better scenes too and yeah that, that and the, like oh sorry go ahead I was gonna say that that and um, the flashbacks with the dad, I kind of liked, you know, because you kind of love that they shoot them in color see, and it, like you know, yeah, kinda, yeah, all the flashbacks are in color to give you like a vivid like this was the past, this is not present, you know. Yeah, it's like a it's warp a, it, to it all. Yeah, uh, again, I don't know why I'm so impressed by this, but just when when people just have very small roles and stuff and still give it their all to add that realism, to add that depth to a movie, it just makes it that much yeah. better. And I feel like. Even with the flashback scenes, it added to that. Um, there's a scene where the dad is being a total asshole to Tetro when he introduces his girlfriend, and you see the the sequence of events of the dad just you know being a total piece of shit and seducing his very young girlfriend, Tetro's very young girlfriend, and stuff. And it's just like the performances just added that much more to it. And I was just like, "Fuck, this is like gut wrenching and uncomfortable all at the same time." But I yeah. felt like those, yeah, those flashbacks added a lot. Um, Nabil, thoughts on the twist of the movie <laughs> with <laughs> Metro? It's when we come to the reveal uh, after the 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 movie uh, or after the the play performs that Tetro is actually the father of Benny and not his brother. I, I like the twist. I think the twist was a really uh, yeah, kind of well of a interesting. Did you well, say it what, when it happened? That, oh, <laughs> what no, I actually again, I didn't know it, so I was like, "Oh my god, what a twist!" You know, because I didn't, I didn't realize it was yes. happening. Your mustache? Did you <laughs> the mustache at least twice? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I literally jumped up and yelled the bill when I saw that. I was like, "Yeah." I saw that when I watched it too. I said, "Nabil's going to be impressed by this one." Yeah, it was it was a good twist, but. But here's my one my one thing about it is really Tetro and his character in regards to like carrying that burden mm-hmm. because throughout the film he seems like he's suffering for his art and and because of his father and I understand the transgression because his father stole 
essentially are seduced his his uh you know kind of love of his life at the time at least mm-hmm. yeah. and um you know he just had to get away after finding out the big revelation of benny being his uh his actual son but it seemed like that wasn't uh, i i don't know why that tortured him as much like suddenly you could see like there was a bit of levity for him because then he goes into the clarity of like i don't need your you know he goes and, and kind of confronts Col- alone um, I understand Benny's reaction, but I it was just I feel like not nothing led up to me feeling that Tetra was like that was the thing that was sitting with him. It seemed like everything to do with his father. And maybe I just kind of missed that connection because his father took away that from him. And maybe that's really what it is. But that was I, I the one that, thing that was kind of bothering me. About I, I think that's his, in the bills yeah. is the final thing that broke him. It's it's like not only do do you not get to spend your life with the person you love the most because someone who's supposed to love you and look after you pretty much took that from you is now you find out that your your brother is actually your son and now you can't even have that family and it, it it's sort of like just kind of you're sort of like ripping his heart away dude you know and like that like uh, you i'm not excusing the the shit that tetro does because he does a lot of shady shit but it, it's an explanation in, in a view as to like how someone can get broken you know with, yeah. with that amount of trauma sure. that, that's yeah. some heavy shit you know it's it also like yeah. um the play itself was almost like autobiographical right supposedly yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's just like by him completing it too it, it rubbed him the wrong way because like he didn't know the full story so I think yeah. that's the way also is like, hey. Like, oh, I see. And the, the ending kind of he, was like, that's yeah. not the real ending kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's why he takes him aside while the, while it's playing, by the way. It's kind of right. like. In the like, background, yeah. and, that, and that's the realest he is in the whole movie when he just talks to him in that little, by the fountain or whatever, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why. I, I see. Think. Okay. Yeah. I think it actually works really well. And then I do like that Benny just like after that when he meets his goes back to the family and stuff he's just like fuck everybody here. I love that. I love yeah. that Benny was like fuck you guys for fucking hiding this from me yeah. and knowing this the whole time and like t- telling his aunt off and like you fucking hid this from me too. Yep. Like you know you're no better than anybody else over here and like gave the fucking you know uh, talk to his his uncle and was like telling him you know that it's my grandpa <laughs> and he's and the, you can yeah, see like what, the what do you mean? never knew yeah, yeah. Like, what the fuck you know? <laughs> like torch the place like it's great i, I didn't expect like that yeah. at all yeah I, Scorched Earth. I was like Whoa. uh james uh your your thoughts on how tetra was filmed in black and white and the flashbacks in color i know you kind of touched on that a little bit and yeah how it, it made things stand out for in the flashbacks the, anything else you wanted to add to that I think it's like a kind of almost kind of a neo noir kind of feel to it, right? A little bit black yeah. and white. Whenever yeah. you get that, especially. By the way, did you guys know when he got hit by that fucking motorcycle? I actually jumped. <laughs> dude, yeah, I thought he died. Wow. Dude, dude, me too. Shit. Dude, that was wild, dude. When the dog thing, and I was like, damn, they filmed that really well. That action scene, technically, like mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that was like really good. Like, oh shit, you think the dog's gonna die? Oh, he's good. Then he gets something, gets fucking nailed. And you see how he stops thing. the dog too? With he fucking stomps on the leash. Like that dog yeah. looked like he was actually about to get hit by that car. I yeah. almost feel like it. I was like, damn, they did a pretty good job. So, mm-hmm. uh, but once again, like the night scene, I really like how the night scenes are shot. Anything with heavy shadows, it, it looks really good cinematography wise. And like mm-hmm. I said, flashback wise, we get them all in color just because it's supposed to show kind of like a vivid imagination, or right. maybe it's supposed yeah. to show like a better memory of it all. Even though sometimes the memory is shitty, but it's like it's very vivid for them. So that's how that's how yeah. I interpret it at least. Yeah, same. It just it, it that's it. 
you know, it just it, trauma sticks with you like that. And that's how you, you know, you see mm-hmm. it, it replays so, in your mind over and over again. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, Nabil, did this feel like a Coppola film to you? Oh, totally felt like a Coppola film. The sh- it was shot, like, not just with the black and white. Like James said, though, it was just shot so beautifully for it being black and white. He used so much mm-hmm. of the shadows and, and the muted color palette to, to bring everything to life. I mean, the the dialogue in it, the script was great. I think that, just, like, those conversations, yes. that's that's definitely, like, he sat down, spent time, and really gave, gave the writing, uh, the conversations, and fleshed out the characters the way that he wanted to um, <laughs> very passionately, and it came great on screen, you know? Like, it's... Uh, that we just, you know, James mentioned the uh, the car accident, like that scene, very intense for a film that was kind of quiet. But every, you know, from the cafe scene to them being at the stage and Tetra like shouting out shit to the his kind of friend about how shitty the play was, like all the chaos that would come in in the scene when you would just kind of go through quiet, like just like Tetro's temper, you know, something <laughs> would blow up and you saw it all on screen really quickly and it was shot. You know, you captured everything so well. So yeah, I think yep. it's totally a couple of film uh what about you james yeah no i i agree i i love a lot of cinematography in this one too especially yeah i think if you look at it in the way that it's shot is just really beautiful i i feel like the black and white like i said it, it is very reminiscent of um like rumblefish which is just like you know rumblefish yeah rumblefish <laughs> we just fucking smoke it, it right i i agree um, yeah, and and one one other thing I'd like to say too is just that mm-hmm. the dialogue is is a step up so much from the last film. It's insane. Oh yeah, totally. And I know that like this, I think this was one of his first ones that he wrote originally by himself. Since this, I don't know which one it was the other one, but it's like his first just solo writing credit in a long time. So it just shows. I I feel like just going through all his films, like you can tell he was very passionate about this one, and it's yeah. very. Um, apparent from what we've seen on screen so yeah i, I think that yeah the the dialogue is definitely what makes it a couple of film for me and, and Nabil, you, you touched on a scene earlier the one that popped out for you which is the the cafe scene where you know, there's so much going on and coppola is just so good um at filming like an ensemble on screen you know <laughs> It, yeah. it flows it, everything it's just like if it, in a wedding scene it's got to be something right yes <laughs> you can see everything that's going on and not miss a thing there's just the the way he directs and makes everything move and still look so natural is man it's you know chef's kiss to that dude there's so it's man, it's, it's an incredible talent that he has and a, and a good eye that he has for that so yeah that's that's what made it feel like a couple of film to me for sure so, um, with that said, I think we're going to move into our star rating where we rate a film between one and five stars, five stars being, you know, great. One star being poop. Uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, I'll start with, I'll start with you, Nabil. Uh, what do you rate Tetro on a scale of one to five stars? I gave this four stars. Right on. It's fair. I like it. Yeah. What about you, James? I give uh, Tetro three and a half stars. Cool beans. Because I'm there with you. I give this one also three and a half stars. Enjoyable. Definitely rewatch, but uh, probably not for everybody. No, it won't be for everybody. I think it's still very artsy, but I think if you've been following along, this is a nice change of like scenery, you know, so a nice return to form, I think. Yeah. 
yeah that makes sense. I'd, I'd say definitely give it a shot you know if you're if these are your types of movies, if you're into indie artsy movies, or if you're a completionist and want to go through, you know, this journey with us of completing Coppola's filmography, then have at it. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to add about Tetra? I will say I, I really liked the, the scenery, like him being in Argentina in Buenos Aires. It was a good, it was a, a little difference. Gave it kind of, you know, that almost a european feel i mean it's obviously argentina so it's it's its own thing but yeah, like no, that exactly. that kind of it's not in the states it's a, it's, its own place and you've mm-hmm. you really get a feel feel for like the area that is in in the culture like he didn't just kind of do like a oh we're in this location everybody's speaking english but you know they're really speaking spanish but we're gonna do it and, like it's yeah they're in argentina they're speaking their own language everybody's got their own thing and you're adapting to the culture and but you know benny's the one who's you know, the fish out of water coming from the States going into yep. this new place. And he makes sure that you're, you're just fully in that area and not trying to give it like an adapted, adapted for an audience that yeah. may not be actually watching it. So I like that part of it. Nice. Put your shirt back on. No, I, I agree. I like the, the switch between English and Spanish and yeah. how it happened in conversation. Very natural. That, yeah. that realism also does exist too. Like if you're with uh, people who are bilingual, sometimes that'll happen. Like, It'll, it'll start on a in a different language and then go into English then go into a different language and it's it, it's seamless and and he captured that perfectly which is cool and that completes our review of Francis Ford Coppola's Tetro let's move on now to our main review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny Well, in that case, what are we drinking? Same for the goddaughter. Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Don't move. We need to get out of here. Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's currently sitting at a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history. This was directed and written by James Mangold. Uh, he's done quite a few films in the past. You guys are probably very familiar with him. He's done uh, The Wolverine, Logan, Ford vs. Ferrari, one of my favorite westerns, 310 to Yuma, a film we mentioned not too long ago, Night and Day, you know, some yeah. some really solid hits. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, okay. it, was also, it was also written by, in partnership with uh, Jez Butterworth, who had uh, penned Edge of Tomorrow and Spectre, uh, John Henry Butterworth, who's done Get On Up, and Flag Day, and David Coep, who back in the day helped out with Jurassic Park, Carlito's Way, the original Mission Impossible, um, and Indiana Jones and the King of Crystal Skull, you know, because he, he has a little bit of tie-in for these two films just to keep the continuity going. 
Uh, this film was released <laughs> in theaters on June 30th and is currently sitting over there. So if you haven't seen it, you really should um, and watch it in the big screen. This is starring the return of Harrison Ford as Henry Jones Jr. or uh, sorry, Indiana. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge comes in as Helena Shaw. Mads Mikkelsen, always the villain, as Jurgen Voller. Antonio Banderas plays Ronaldo. John Rice Davies plays uh, returns as Sala. Toby Jones is Basil Shaw. Boyd Holbrook plays Kleber. Ethan Isidore is Teddy Kumar, and Olivier Richters is Hawk. So, I'm going to start with you, James. What was thought? Of you? What was the thought of uh, this film? What did you think about it? Well, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this film is tanking, right? So, and all the critics <laughs> seem to not like this goddamn movie. I don't understand it. Which is crazy. <laughs> I um, I loved this movie. This, you know, this might be like my movie of the year, like hands down. I saw it twice actually already. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw it on. Uh, I saw it in IMAX on Thursday, and then Friday morning, I took my dad to go see it in Screen X. Actually, so. I saw it like six hours after I just seen the movie. Like I was like, let's go again. So go for another ride. Yeah. And I, I really liked it. It, uh, I think it's one of those movies that, you know, they probably didn't have to make another Indiana Jones. It, it kind of wraps up pretty nicely in, in the King of the crystal skull, you know, but I think for a movie that features Harrison Ford and he's what, he's 80 years old now. It's, yeah, is he eighty? He's, this he's mm-hmm. handled it very gracefully. It's it's a real like adventure. It's not just him talking like they didn't make it where it's like just old jokes the whole time. You know, it's an yeah. actual like Indiana Jones adventure, and I I liked it. It's 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 so cool to see Harrison Ford as grumpy as he can be, right? But um, <laughs> return for these roles. I, I I know that he specifically really likes playing Indiana Jones, and you know he's stated in the past like he is Indiana Jones. Like there's no other Indiana Jones. So like we've. In the past couple of years, to think about it, like we've got him back in Blade Runner, we got him back in Star Wars and Indiana Jones. He's visiting these iconic roles. It's kind of insane, but um, I think he's a great actor. He's I spoiled. think the performances are great, man. I thought the action was really well done. I like the new characters, too. We'll, we'll get into it, but I, I, I loved it, man. It was everything I wanted it to be. What were your thoughts, Marco, on the plot or this film in general? So I had heard mixed reviews about this movie. And heard that it was tanking and some thumbnails on YouTube spoiled the fact, you know, why this movie is tanking, blah, blah, blah. And I got a little worried for a second there. I fucking loved it too, man. This was an Indiana Jones movie. I had a fun time. I, I marathoned all the previous Indiana Jones movies with uh, my son and my brother. And we had a blast just watching all of them. Uh, and then we went you to go see the new one. All the movies leading up to this a couple weeks ago, though. Not I didn't marathon before. So but. yeah, we uh, I think we started on Thursday and then finished I think the day before, and it it was a fantastic journey, dude. It, I I I think it helps really. Uh, I don't know why it's tanking. Maybe these people haven't seen like the classics in in a while. Probably you know, but uh, it, it was it was. What James said, dude, it, it it felt like an Indiana Jones movie. It didn't rely on nostalgia, you know. Obviously, you know they have some callbacks in there, and you, you know some member bears. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that, 
you know, but it, they were just like off the cuff things like blinking, you miss it moments. The rest was just new and fresh. And, you know, this, this aging Indiana Jones that, you know, that feels, you know, lost and it feels like a, a yearning for his youth of adventure. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm pushing 40 right now or anything, but I, I could really fucking relate to that. Okay. And it, it really, I really felt connected to the movie. Uh, my, my brother, my son enjoyed it. And I think that that experience also added to it. We had, we had a fun time watching it. So I, I haven't seen it twice like James has, but I can tell you right now, spoiler, I'm gonna. So yeah, <laughs> dude, it, it was, it, it was, Parker, you do realize adventure. you're closer to Harrison Ford's age when he did Raiders of the Lost Ark than he was. In the- <laughs> 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 Just to let you know, I don't know if it's the Rose speaking, but I'm like, this motherfucker yeah. can't count. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm almost 80 years old, guys. I a long life. Uh, no, Maybe I know. But, you know, it's, you're, no, you know, you're, you just kind of like, you start reflecting on things a little bit more, you know? Yeah, no, um, I, I, I know you mean. Body ain't quite like what it used to be, you know? Maybe that's the fucking Pinot Noir talking, but, you know, every once in a while, you know, lift the arm and starts to hurt. Some, what the fuck am I having to stroke? Some hard facts, you know? Some real but, uh, <laughs> no, man, it was, it was a great movie. I don't, I, I'll tell you hands down right now, I don't agree with that Rotten Tomato score. It's far too fucking low, and I don't agree with the mixed reviews, dude. I don't know what people want, but... It, yeah, there's a lot of people. We'll talk about it, but it's like, you know, there's just plot-wise, but I'm like, it worked for me, so... Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think that that's part of that, right? I will Go tell ahead, you yeah. this... And this even includes the Crystal Skull, because watching with fresh eyes in a long time, if you watch the entire series back to back, there is no fucking way you can judge that movie. Well, I mean, Crystal Skull for a specific character, that's understandable, whatever. But I'm talking plot wise. There's no way you can judge that and this movie and not look at the original three the same way. There's just no fucking way. Like if one expects the suspension of disbelief, then you have to carry that through the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've never, I've actually never had a problem with King of the Crystal Skull. There's always people that have hated it, but I'm like, it's okay. Right? But yeah. And rewatching it again, I'm like, even with my parents who've like never seen it, they were like, it's okay. They understand it's not the best one, but I mean, yeah. still like Indiana Jones and shit. Yeah. Nabil, what were your thoughts of this movie? What'd you think? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I do agree. I, I, I feel like that score is, is, disappointingly low especially since they for some reason they showed it at cans and people seem to love it over there i don't think disney will ever bring a movie to cans again by the way yeah. <laughs> i don't know why it, this is elemental like, this both cans but didn't do well there and both tanked after because of like early negative reviews yeah yeah so it seems really odd but i will say yes right now I had a had a great time with this film. It was very much just an Indiana Jones film, just like any of the other ones. I did the same thing you guys did. I watched all four beforehand, um, and was pretty consistent with like the action adventure aspect of it and some of the magic, mystical things. Like it's all it's all his shtick. Um, and I will say too, like as far as the plot's concerned, it started a little slow for me, and I wasn't sure what they, where they were gonna go. But I mean, like within the first fifteen minutes, then you're like, okay, here's the action. Here we're going. We're, there's there's things happening, and you know, Indy's got his cap on, and he's out in the world. And it, it, there was just fun bits. It's funny, you know. Yeah, I, I gotta like, say it's a yeah. two hour and thirty five minute movie. But I thought I for me personally, I mean, shit, I saw it twice. I don't ever do that anymore. You guys know that. <laughs> but like pacing wise, I was like, yeah, it wasn't bad. I'd rather yeah. watch this than 
other stuff. Some, especially a film that that's long. You know, yeah. that this didn't feel that long. I felt like I just kept going and, you know, the action, um, the story, everything was naturally moving forward to the next thing, you know? So I, I enjoyed, um, this film quite a bit and I wasn't sure about like why the critics were suddenly like tanking this film a bit. And I was really worried. I was going to go, Oh my God, we're going to go through a slugfest for like two and a half I mean, hours. Dude, it's but, just like the flash yeah. man, where they're like, everybody piles on. It's the popular opinion to fucking don't like this movie. So all these mm-hmm. fucking people are just jumping on board. Mm-hmm. Half of them haven't even fucking seen the movie. And it's like, okay, like whatever, dude. Yeah. So let's talk about the characters. Uh, first, let me go to you, Marco. Since you, you know, we've talked about just seeing the films recently. What do you think about Harrison Ford coming back as Indiana Jones for likely uh, the last time? It's got to be the last time. Mm. Yeah. Probably the last time, yeah. But it's, it's like riding a bike for him, man. He seems like he had way more fun doing this than the Star War. Yeah. I, well, from what <laughs> I've heard, know, he's, like, he's never really liked his, his Han Solo character, right? Apparently. Not yeah. as much, yeah. Yeah, you, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah. It, I, I think that the the he captured uh, the essence of a, of an aging Indiana Jones, you know, and I I like this existentialism that he had, where he didn't feel like you know like he belonged or anything, or like his adventure was behind him. Yeah, and throughout the film, like he regains that spark, and James Mangold is a master at doing that. I'm sorry, I know he's done this like. In various movies, he's also done Copland, by the way, which is also yeah, like about an aging Sylvester Stallone coming back from you know being semi-retired and doing shitty movies. That is yeah. Such a good movie, by the way. That's it a good is. Movie. I didn't realize he had directed that right? or directed and written and written that movie. Right, neither did I until I saw Logan, and that is uh, it. Actually, inspired Logan a lot, and even a lot of these movies that he's making of uh, uh, you know people that are in their at the end of their prime you know and and coming back into the, the life they left behind and that movie copland is way ahead of its time by the way sorry i'm going on a tangent but um harrison definitely captured the instance of indiana jones and it felt like he was giving us the proper farewell to the character and i watch again watching them back to back it's it's like man he's he goes into this seamlessly, you know, he, he has a love for the character and, and it shows, um, in, in every, in every scene. So he did incredible. Yeah. Um, what about you, James? What were your thoughts on Harrison? And, and even so the introduction of another kind of side character, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I thought Harrison Ford was great, man. He's just, I guess it's cause like, I don't know. I'm not trying to get emotional here. God, man, that just... emotional. The wine's hidden, man. Wine's we hidden need a lot hard. of streams here. Yeah. I like cried like three different times during this movie, man. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Like cry, cried. So, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Harrison Ford has been. Uh, he's been played so many iconic roles for I us. I think so. I think growing up, like, he's like seeing him where he's at now. You know, it's like and he's seeing so these films. old, and it's like, oh man, this is like what happens to life. But he's like, he does so well in it, and he kind of reminds me of my dad a little bit too. I think that, that hits a little a bit harder for me. But um he's great. Like there's a there's a lot of there's a lot more. This is probably the most emotional Indiana Jones gets in any of the four movies. <laughs> five, sorry. Like uh Yeah, James, I agree with you. 
like hands down. Like there's some certain there's, there's scenes. A scene, I, was like, I was like, fuck. I'll mention later, but there, there's there's a scene where I I got a little teary eyed. Oh, I told I'm oh, fuck. I'll tell you guys a little bit later too. Um, but man, it, he's really in shape for eighty year old guy though. By no, why he's clenching his fist? Looking good. Okay. Looking good. Yeah, I was like, go. Oh, I don't know. If you they see the film? He starts out like shirtless. Be like, hey, look, yeah. this is how he can climb shit. Okay, relax. Mm-hmm. But um, and also. Okay, so Phoebe Waller-Bridge apparently is kind of more known for a flea bag and like writing bag, and yep. shit, right? Yeah. She writes a lot of shit. Like she did, she, uh, she wrote the scriptus, uh, uh, the last James Bond movie, right? She did. Yeah. So I actually liked her a lot, by the way. I've never she seen was her amazing. in anything, by the way. Like, no, no, yeah, she's great. Never yeah. seen her in a single thing. Uh, oh, sorry, she was the droid in Solo. She she's L three thirty, and she's the co-pilot yeah. of the Falcon for real. Yeah, yeah, but you know she's gonna suit you know that's her. Yeah, I think she did the mo capturing for it too, and obviously the voice, right? So, oh shit, that's that's talent. So that's kind of cool that like she's she. I liked her character. Like she's she comes off as first as like super naive, but then she's just she's actually kind of a scumbag. But it's also because of like <laughs> the reason why like she she lost her dad early on and then Indiana's her godfather. It's revealed. It's not a spoiler. I think they talk about it in the trailers and they do. It yeah. is funny that she brings up. Mm, if only I had somebody that was supposed to like anointed that position like to take care of me. Like hmm, she keeps weird. fucking drinking throughout the entire movie too, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, she's got like her little um, partner. Like her short round is Teddy, right? So and it's weird. <laughs> I was like little Nabil's here the whole time. And I was like that's cool and. You know, it was it was fun. It was it was random. I didn't think he was gonna be in the whole movie. By the way, just talking about that, I thought it was just kind of at the beginning. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was just like a beginning thing. They're gonna drop him off, and I was like, nope, he's in like literally the whole. Like technically, Background. it's it's Indiana teamed up with Helena and Teddy, like the whole movie. Yeah. So, but I thought she was great. She was funny. She's very. She had her chemistry with Harrison Ford was really good. Like they they go back and forth. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of clumping and stuff like that. Um. Because sometimes you get that character, like, for instance, no offense to Temple of Doom, but you get fucking Willie Scott in that movie. She's fucking annoying the whole time, right? And it's like, intentional, but also, yes. Intentional, yes. It and was also, Steven Spielberg was banging her at the time, right? I get it. I get it. That's his wife now. So, that's whatever. his wife. Okay. So, not it's that just, bad when you watch it again, though. I, I watched it and wasn't that bad. No, I saw it too, and I still was like, she's still easily the weakest part of this movie. Yeah. But female Bridges was she was cool, man. I'm actually looking forward to like seeing other stuff with her because I actually really enjoyed her um her performance. Like like I said, yeah. I first time watching her, and I want to say this is the biggest movie she's been in, unless there's something else that I'm missing. But... It's probably the biggest film she's had to star in, yeah, oh, yeah. or co-star. Because I, I saw uh, she's written a lot of stuff though, so I was like, that's yes. and I, and she I, helps I, punch I up know. a lot of scripts too. Like they'll come to her for the, like punching up things where it's like where it's missing something. You know, she's really? like. What J.J. Okay. Abrams was before he started just being known as just a full-on director. You know, they oh, wow, bring him okay. in a bunch of things. So she's she does a lot of that now, too. She's cool, though. Yeah. I liked it. So Yeah, and I agree. Like, her chemistry with Harrison Ford has that kind of, like, um, estranged goddaughter kind of thing. But she, like, she still has love for him. But she's like, I'm doing my own thing. I don't really need you around. Like, that yeah. really worked. And she, you know, just like uh, Harris, uh, just like Indiana Jones, who, you know, when he's out in the field, he he's a bit egotistical and doesn't really give a fuck about certain things, you know, and other people. She's the same way. Like she's got her business and she's mm-hmm. she's living her life and she doesn't need anybody there to, she, you know, kind of slow her down. But it I think that's it it works really well. That relationship was a very solid thing and it helped kind of 
bring you could see like in the film at least it was reigniting indiana's kind of spark for adventure just yeah getting him thrown into all that and she's you know she's kind of pushing him not not intentionally but you know she's getting in danger and he's like i gotta go fucking save her you know even, even though she's like with the mobster guy and he's like i didn't yeah. come here to save you from your fiance and you know, right well that was funny like that <laughs> dynamic that works out the whole time and they're always arguing um but it's it's really well played um and on top of that we also have uh mads mickelson playing jürgen who as always, you know, he, he does a very, I think, a very good villain. I think he enjoys those roles. Good, so it's, it's good because you know that he's enjoying it because he wouldn't, you know, he doesn't have to do these films. He can do whatever he wants. Um, he's just doing Death Stranding shit lately. So he's just like, yeah, okay, he's just like, you know, I want to do this in my life. From yeah. I'm, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to say I love Mads because I'm, oh, well, I'm not, I love I'm, not I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. It's okay, man. They'll, 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 they'll get a new um, Kang for you. It's okay. Performance <laughs> is great. Just saying. I well, he was so great. what's your thoughts on Jurgen, uh, Marco? What, what, what's your uh, dislikement? Solid fucking villain, and Mads Mikkelsen just fucking kills it, man. Yeah, he's, dude, he, when he's, he's talking he's to the a, waiter. Yeah. So you didn't win the war. We lost it. He's going to say, like, dude, it looks like he's going to say I'm a Nazi to him. Like, I, like, man. Damn, I mean, he right said it. He's... He said it without saying it, and that's all that was needed. And um, I, I thought he, I thought he would have like some sort of augmentation on him or something because I'm like, dude, that would have yeah, him scratched him. Like a James Bond villain, because <laughs> if anything, like diamonds in his face or something, you know, it was a James Bond villain though. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's exclude the cranial damage, but the fact that you know that would cause like neck damage, shoulder, you know. Anyway, yeah, but he oh, has the power of the Nazis again, behind him. So I don't again, know. we're 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 suspending disbelief. I thought he yeah. killed it. He was he was a uh, a classic. Indiana Jones, you know, villain of, of obsessed with it. You know, of course, you know they they went back to Nazis. I loved watching these fucking Nazis just get fucking murked. I mean, it's the only villain he's got. You know, that's just, I love, I love, I love how Indiana throughout the film just fucking hates. Not even Nazis. No offense. I just think he doesn't like Germans too much, probably. Because yeah, he even says something at points like, "You're German. Stop trying to be funny." And I was just dying. I was like, <laughs> "He fucking hates these guys, right?" He's very <laughs> sore against the Nazis, and it's to. I mean, I'm like, I don't blame you, bro. Fuck him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. But with the timeline, he's he's gone through a lot with them, so it's like okay. Yeah, but but as, but as far as as far as the 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 main villain, Mad Mad owns it. He kills it. He's he, I, again. He's a presence on scene. Uh, he's very commanding and you know, he's not, uh, he, he can go toe to toe intellectually with Indiana Jones to a point, to a point, but, uh, he, it's a good rivalry for, for Indiana. And oh, I think I, that he's like, you know, that's not, Jurgen isn't the action guy, right? He's not the, the foe who's going to come and like try to beat him up. It's mm-hmm. trying to outsmart he's him. The, he's right? the brains he's of the, the brain. operation. He's got, he's got the muscle with him. Yeah, he's got the muscle around him exactly. It's but I think like, like hog. playing like the the brains works in his favor because he's always you know one step ahead of him or kind of can see where he's going and can figure it out quicker than yeah. you know. I, I envisioned him as like that classical like Nazi mad scientist kind of character, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's, yeah. yeah. He's saying all the shit like even in the beginning. We, we won't talk about it much, but like his superiors are like questioning him, and they can tell they don't like him. 
They're like, right. They're like, what? He's like what the smartest the guy in the room. Yeah, you know? and they're like, we don't give a fuck what this is, right? Because he's like making a big deal, and they're like, okay, like he's even trying to stop a guy at one point. Because the they're like, we're Nazis and we're stupid. So anyway, <laughs> he's like, keep your mystical dial to yourself, there, big boy. <laughs> well, uh, James. Yes. Any other characters that no. really kind of stood out to you? Like, no. what did you think about the return of Sala? Um, Loved it. I teared up when he said, I brought my passport. And I was like, fuck, I know. this is homie. I was saying the same thing. I was like, fuck, this is homie. He wants to go with him. So, because he's like, I missed the desert. And I was like, damn, that hit hard right there for some reason. I, I was like, damn. Yep. That was cool. And Tony Banderas, he even said like his role is mostly just a cameo, but he was happy just to be it in was. it. He was, was he cool was cool. It was cool just to see him. He He's even threw out a line, I puss and boots. <laughs> Dude, every time he <laughs> talked, I just imagined him in the boots. He's like, and boots. <laughs> I told Zane in the movie theater we can't do it. I puss He's and like, boots. He's like, Sorry. it's a seven of spades. <laughs> um <laughs> I will say Boyd Holbrook. Haven't seen him since uh, that fucking Predators movie, I think. I don't know. He's probably uh, yeah, that guy is not, not like a piece of shit I like in this movie. Too. I fucking hated his character. He is. But that's the point. And that like seeing it a second time, you you catch on to a couple like things. Like he's he's learning German for a reason, like in that little book, because he's yeah. you know, nope. he's all in onto this fucking fascist fuck. Kind of, and by the way, he is. He was in Logan too. By the way, he was the arm thing, right? So he's, he's oh yeah, he was awesome role too. That's right? Yeah, yeah. So like he's, he's also in the f- in the past. So first two seasons of uh, Narcos. Yeah, Narcos. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. and he was in a, uh, a a wolf movie called The Cursed, which I think he's the main character in it. It's a, a wolf, he's a werewolf wolf? movie from last year. But um, no, he's Never not the wolf. But. Everyone was good. And like we said, the guy Hawk was gigantic. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, was like, I couldn't tell if they were doing that on person. Like they had him stand on a soapbox or something. Because, man, dude, that guy was they, Like tall. when uh, Helena would like run into him on accident. And like, I was like, Jesus Christ, that guy's huge. Or Teddy. And you know, Phoebe Waller Bridge is tall. So she's like Jeez. looking up. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Mar- Marco, <laughs> let's, go into, uh, let's go into the action. But we talked a little bit about there's a train scene. I know we don't want to get too much into spoilers. There's, there's obviously. We talked about show the trailer even after um, yeah you're true you're yeah right, right. but for the but for the most part how did you feel the action kind of connected with the previous indiana jones film did you feel like it was the same better or you know was harrison ford keeping up <laughs> like what were your thoughts on how this action scene worked i think that was a, an amazing uh opening action set piece the the whole train scene i i i love uh, train action sequences. I don't know why, <laughs> but I fucking do. They're just they're exciting to watch, you know, because you're you know you're you're on a moving train. You're you're in an isolated situation, but you're also moving at the same time, and you know a- anything could happen. Uh, I like the tension of going, you know, be- from car from train car to train car and trying to evade, you know, being spotted. I love when they put that in video games too. But I, I, it, it felt very uh, akin to an Indiana Jones uh, action set piece, and I think Harrison Ford kept it well. Uh, the the de aging actually looked pretty good. There was only one time I think when the light was directly on him. I can see why they filmed why they did it at, at nighttime, but the light is directly on him. I'm like, okay, it's a little off right there, but you know, I'm gonna let it slide. Whatever, it worked. Uh, and, there was there was tension, there was comedy, there was great action. Uh, I love when uh, and this isn't much of a spoiler, but 
Harrison, uh, Indiana Jones puts on a, a, a Nazi uniform to, to blend in. And uh, then he walks into a car where soldiers are sitting there. Nazis are there and they look up and they see that he's got a bullet hole in his fucking uniform. And that's how I can tell yeah, he's an infiltrator right. or a spy. But I, I like that. I think that it, it uh, felt very reminiscent to opening sequences to Indiana Jones movies where there's, you know, an action set piece. that just hits you. Boom, boom, boom at hundred miles an hour. And it, it set the, the, the tone and, and uh, the stakes for, for the adventure and, uh, sprinkled with a little bit of mystery that every Indiana Jones movies opens up with, with like, what is this? What does it do? What is the Dial of Destiny? And James, what about the uh, like? There was a great chase scene in uh, Morocco when they were yeah, driving in the streets. Cool. I thought it was great. Yeah. Did you feel that that was? Did you feel that it was more practical, or did you kind of get to see some of the CG? Like, how did you feel? Yeah, you can see CG, CG was showing. There's a lot yeah. of CG, but I mean, Harrison Ford's eighty years old, guys. We're not going to be fucking <laughs> throwing around two fucking motorcycle carts, right? There's a cool like airplane scene that we get later on as well. There's another underwater scene. Underwater scene I thought was great, by the way. And obviously it's all CG. I mean, they probably did some water scenes in it, but the the eel thing is a callback to snakes and such like that. And I I, I really Mm -hmm. like that whole sequence. I love Um, that they still throw out the snakes somehow for him to be freaked out. Like, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like people mentioning it. He's like, and then Teddy's like, they're basically snakes, and then he's like, no, they're not. (laughs) Kind of. Even the the fact that they're moving from location to location to look for this mystery that they're that they're looking yeah, for, I like that. It was cool, and then they're they're working together, and it's you're kind of in the process of that all too. You're you're learning more about Helena too, and kind of like why she's in it, and like she's she's wearing a mask of like wanting just to sell shit, but really like her her dad's obsession with it really wore off to her as well, you know. So yeah. it's uh-huh. almost like her trying to prove that her dad wasn't crazy by proving like this is all legit and like his his life a little bit yeah i think there was some entirely like you know thrown away for the for this dial for the money yeah Yeah, basically is there you know there's a few more things we can talk about the spoilers but before we go to that is there anything james that you felt like you you really wanted more of in this film or maybe you felt like you know we talked about the runtime did you feel like maybe we could have took some things out no it worked for me man i mean for god's sakes i saw it twice guys that's true. That is true. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't have a problem with the with it. No, I thought it was good. I thought um, maybe the one thing I would have liked a little bit was a little more emotion from Helena. Uh, oh, that we get that at the end, though. No, I'm good. Yeah, actually, no, it yeah. works for me. How about you, Marco? Anything that you felt um, you you were missing from this film, or just thought there was too much of? No short run, I guess. I know it would have been nice to see him in this one. That, that's no, that's a spoiler. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Is um, fuck it. I'll I'll say it now. Whatever. Stop listening for like five minutes. But I I <laughs> was. <laughs> in case, in case, you never know. I might go on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I I was really expecting a scene with with short round. Even just a subtle something in a scene where um someone calls him Indy and then all of a sudden you hear from the background him saying don't call him Indy call him Dr. Jones and him just helping no. him get out of a, a bind would have been a, like I think just a, I was almost expecting it and I was like no! after the Academy Awards maybe but at the time yeah. like kind of late As, aside from that no there's uh, there, there wasn't anything that was too much but it was great yeah well let's uh, 
talk about our star rating first, and then we'll go into spoilers. Uh, Marco, one out of five, uh, one to five stars. What was uh, your rating? Four and a half stars. Four and a half. This is an, an nice. amazing. Cool, cool. And James, what about you? Yeah, I give it a four and a half stars as well. Yeah. And I gave it a four stars. So, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. So stick around. If you've already seen the film, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the movie itself. We'll also go over our ranking of the other Indiana film, Indiana Jones films. Um, if not, if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and just skip forward a little bit so uh, you can listen to the outro and find out what we're going to be talking about on our next pod. Okay, so we're in the spoiler section. Marco touched on it a bit in the beginning. There is this big opening scene, uh, the train scene where Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, is on the hunt um, with a bunch of Nazis looking for the Dial of Destiny with his partner, which mm, is played kinda. by Toby Jones. Well, kind of. He's not Basil really. Shaw. They're kind of he, researching they're something. They're not looking for the Dial of Destiny. They're looking for the, the spear of uh, Leonidas. Oh, they're looking for the spear. That's right. Um, uh, and they kind of happen upon the Dial yeah, as well. Yeah, they come across the Anticles or whatever the fuck. It's a huge... They find out like basically probably. everything's just like not real. <laughs> like, yeah. Everything's fake. Um, <laughs> well, no. The only thing the, that's fake is the the, the spear. It's a real... It's a spear. I thought the whole cart was ended up being like... No, the cart's all real. real. That's why Indy says they need to stop it so that it doesn't go off the bridge. Uh, okay. Well, see, obviously I missed part of that. Mm-hmm. It's all real. Um, but to that point, this is all set in the past of modern present, After you know, the, the 60s. events of the last yeah. crusade, actually. So there's, they've, they've de-aged Harrison Ford and Mads Mikkelsen. Um, a lot of the shots are, are in the dark. Um, but I'm going to, since you touched on it already, Mark, I'm going to go to James. What did you think mm-hmm. about the, um, the effects of the de-aging. They're before. almost there. That's what I'll say. Yeah. They're close. Pretty close. Not quite. It's it's a lot better than Tron Legacy, right? Like we've come a bit a long way yeah. from Jeff Bridges. And also the Tarkin in Rogue One. I mean that's probably the other one. That one was actually really good though too. So that was yeah. pretty close too, but you could tell he's a CG dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what Nick Fury and Miss Marvel is probably the one that did it the most for the longest, mm-hmm. right? So but yeah, so like it's more noticeable the lighter it is. You're right about that. But it was as soon as he puts the hat on, I think it's a lot. Li- I, I don't think their hair, they don't quite have the hair down either. Because as soon as they put the hat on, then I was like, oh, okay, now it looks a lot better because we're just yeah. focusing on the the face now. We're not focusing on it as much. You can still tell, especially like in the scene where the, where the, where they jump on the side, right? And they come out. Like you can tell it's an old man walking the way he's hunched over. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, fuck, that's an eight year old man walking. That's not a, 36 year old dude like you can tell but outside of that i mean it it's close it, it's cool it gives you a little old classic indie just for the first 20 minutes of the movie you know which was enjoyable like we didn't we didn't get that in king of the crystal skull you know he was i mean not that harrison ford was super old during that film i mean he was older. I mean, we thought he was super old uh, and then this movie came out yeah so. right and so like to be able to see i mean it's true yeah, but being if you were like Yo, there's gonna be another movie in 15 years i'd be like isn't he gonna be fucking dead by then yeah like oh, the guy's got the the youth of life from that fucking chalice and uh, yeah that is the fan theory of like oh it it reset everything from that point so yeah no i agree i think that it it looks pretty good um for what it is except for certain scenes i mean you can't get away with it but it's definitely that technology is it's almost better for worse it's it's yeah it's almost there so 
Um, we're going to get these characters in perpetuity. Just I feel like fake guys. I mean, I, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on, on this whole CG youth thing, but I feel like at some point, like, it's okay to have a younger actor play them. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I think like, it is. Or re- it's I mean, fine. Disney hates recasting, apparently, but that's I know. another whole fucking Black Panther conversation for another day, I guess. Like they did it in in the Last Crusade, right? Exactly. River Phoenix, like River Phoenix. it was fine. What if, I know well, he's okay, supposed the, to be like uh, Andy. We know he's a, he's a kid. That's why they're not I know. doing I like get a, that part of it. Yeah, because they do that a lot. In but movies I mean, where like, they'll have a kid version of someone, but they won't have like a they won't have like a twenty five year old version of him if he's a forty year old dude, right? Like it's not gonna happen. I mean, we were just talking about Tetro and Vincent Gallo's character. It's supposed to be him twenty years old, and Vincent Gallo's supposed to be, I guess, forty. Like. It's a completely different person, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so true. it's not the word. Like I get it, the the whole continuity thing, but I feel yeah, like that movie was also two hundred ninety five million dollars less to make than this movie. <laughs> right, so, so you could have got a, a young actor at a four hundred and five. So who knows? I don't know. I don't know what their budget was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a thing. You know, actors might strike on it. They'll figure it out. Hopefully, it works out for everybody. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, if they're okay with it, then okay, I guess. And if they're yeah. still alive, I think it's weird that they're making like a movie with James Dean and he's been dead for like forever at this point. So like, I don't even know how they have that much footage of him. But okay, who knows, man? So, but CG is a thing. So that's going to be either one way or another. It's going to continue to get better, and we will see if we like it or not, or think it's too weird. Speaking about people that supposedly dead. <laughs> So we we uh, have a throw. I was waiting for them to do it, and they, they did. Kind of like three in the third act, or like near the second end of the second act. But they talk about what happened to Mutt. But nevertheless, they they bring it up about, about it, you know he essentially yeah he was. I don't know if it was you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if he was conscripted or he joined, but he ended up going. He joined uh, to fight in the war and yeah. uh, killed in action. Unfortunately, it um, takes place. 12 years this film after is in 69 because it's Christmas after the moon landing so it should be vietnam probably yeah it's vietnam yeah i think it's vietnam so i mean that's that was a terrible thing but how did you feel let me ask you marco how did you feel that kind of reveal was handled do you think that was a good kind of way they did it or do you think it's like they just needed to do it and they put something in there like what were your thoughts when you heard it a little bit of both like i understand why they did it they had to do it um but i think it worked it worked from the movie it, it, it worked to kind of create this sort of um shell of an uh, indiana jones that's just feels like he's the, at the end of his rope and missing something it added more to him you know rising up throughout the movie and you know becoming the great adventurer archaeologist that he was in his prime and uh, speaking solely only of the characters, you know, I'm not talking about the actors themselves. Of the characters themselves, it was kind of heartbreaking. That is the scene where I got a little teary eyed when he's talking about it. You know, he's saying he he lost Definitely. his fucking son, dude. You yeah. know, like and if I, I can grab my fucking son's arm during that scene, dude, I, it was fucking sad. You know, like again, separating the actor from the character, like it was just you know. It was just fucking sad, and the fact that it ruined his life, you know, um, yeah. it was a touching scene, you know, and he he didn't he definitely didn't phone it in. It was it was a very emotional. You you see through uh, Helena's reaction to her reaction to that in her face. Uh, very good acting 
uh, from from her side too. You know, of, the, of like the 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 gut punch, you know, that brings when when he's talking about it. Yeah, uh, James. Sorry, go ahead. What were you, what were your thoughts? Did, no, I, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a really emotional scene. It's one of those things where um, if you've ever lost anyone close, you've probably thought about like what well, you would tell someone, right, to make them mm-hmm. stop doing something. Yeah. So that's why yep. that one hit me hard too. So, um, it's one of the three scenes that he cried in. Yeah, yeah I teared up in that one just because he's like, yeah, I told him that he dies. You know, like mm-hmm. dies. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. I almost thought I was like, are they gonna save him somehow? You know, right? He's just gonna so show up. They're gonna pull some Back to the Future shit, and he's gonna be in the house at the end. I'm like, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah, something's gonna be happening. I was like, well, this is why I don't write for Hollywood. So um, <laughs> they were just like, what if he has a son that destroys them both? I'm like, this is the plot of Star Wars. Again? <laughs> Holy I have shit. to stop him. He's like, I don't know what to do. So. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot. I like how they they yeah. handled it, and um, you know, like yeah, we, se- we got to separate it too. And it's you know, th- it's kind of crazy because you know, you get in the kind of crystal skull, and that's kind of where the fucking Shia LaBeouf started falling from grace with people, especially with um, Steven Spielberg and all this stuff. But uh, you know, yeah, who knows? Even with Ford, you know, he they they had some issues, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the I I liked what they did with it. I think that it was, you know, very likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's a very common thing that happened uh, during that era. They had and, to address it, though, in a way. Right. Like, well, they had to address but, it. Yep. And they that helps to kind of tie in the dissolution the of their marriage with Marion. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just yeah. how yeah. that came about. Because, obviously, they ended very strongly, and you would have thought that there was growth. And yeah, then realized, the, well, this, of, yeah, Chris yeah. So I think that that was uh, a really good way to kind of incorporate the marriage part of it. Because it would have been one thing for Mutt to just pass away, but it's a different thing for like, well, how did the marriage dissolve? And that, that I think, was a good tie-in there, too. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, thoughts on how this movie ended. Um, we have we do have Marion does do a cameo um, in the film. Uh, and I talk about the stuff before that, you know? Yeah, but before, yeah before that cameo, there's this whole... The Dial of Destiny is supposed to be Archimedes' kind of compass of some sort, where he's found a way to time travel through rifts in the Earth, like this kind of wormholes kind of thing in the atmosphere. I'm not really sure, but um, yeah, it finds rifts of time in the atmosphere. But there's a catch mm-hmm. to it. It's not really a time machine. It only yeah, brings not- you back to a specific time. Mm-hmm. In history, it's like a beacon. Is, it's an SOS thing that come and save us, which and is only us. Watching it twice, hinted at mm-hmm. a lot. By the way, like he really like he's teaching the whole story about this battle to the class that doesn't give a shit about him. Yep. Yeah. When they go to that town in Italy, the kids are watching a, a puppet play where a dragon is that, chasing yep. down the Romans, and that is what, oh yeah, and that's them oh, events because they're you know they're they thought it was dragons that came out of the sky and. So on and so forth, and there's even a, there's even a few other Easter eggs strewn before this whole thing that that definitely tells you that it's not a time machine. Well, what did it's you all because Archimedes did not uh, consider continental drift. <laughs> well, I don't know actually. I mean, no, I feel no like that's, that's why. Well, the continental drift didn't matter. It just. Well, I guess I think because he, um, he, he specifically says where your coordinates are incorrect. You're no, we're not going so, to the time we're going to. I think so. After like figuring out that they ended up going to Sicily, right? Yeah. And, and that's where mm-hmm. they ended up. I think 
Indiana Jones realizing that Continental Drift wasn't accounted for and the the uh, coordinates would have been incorrect kind of was the telltale sign of saying that that is just a telltale sign to show that it only goes to Sicily right. at the year mm-hmm. 216 the was that that's where it's mm-hmm. going to go you're not going to go anywhere else you don't go anywhere else yeah and there, so there you were, did the math was and never, you figured yeah, it out the device yeah. when you watch it you, you realize like the device was never planned to time travel anywhere it was only to help them defeat the Romans right that's why he was like that's why he knew to go to like to the beach to see Indy and like oh shit like mm. where are you guys from and like you know you guys helped us kill all the the they destroy the whole navy the right. Nazis mm-hmm. kill the navy <laughs> shooting the shit out of it because <laughs> your boy fucking Holbrook just just gung ho man <laughs> I will say I actually enjoyed that time travel part of it and I liked that they cool, went yeah. back over there. It was it was kind of cool to see that and then the whole sense of like they all fucked up and then like the idea of then he what sees would you the really do? talked about too though like the yeah. the mirrors that shoot the beams that blow and the 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 things mm-hmm. that rip ships out of the water. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. It's all kind of there. Yeah. Um but what I want to ask about is I mean it's not a twist, but it kind of is where like you, you're oh, wow. going through it and he's like, I'm going to stay. I got to stay. I got to do this. And, you know, Helena's like, no, you're coming back with me. Like, this is not good for anybody. Like, I almost thought he was going to stay. Yeah, I was going to say, too. Marco, did you did you guys think that? Did you think that he was actually going to stay and this is how we were going to end it? Or did you see yeah. it coming a mile away? I, just, I, was, like, I was like, this is the most wild fucking ending in this moment. Right. Because right. James brought it up. He's talking about that specific battle in his classroom, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's so like, wow, that's so cathartic." Like he's like talking about it in his class, and then he ends up just staying there, like full fucking circle. So that's yeah, yeah I really thought he was gonna stay there. Yeah, I did too. But then this is also where Helena shows a lot of emotion towards it. Like you can tell mm-hmm. that she actually really cares about Indy. Mm-hmm. And right. She never actually says it in the movie though, like ever, like, I need no. you. But she's she's hinting at it super fucking heavy. Like yeah. when he says really, like later on where he's like, what, what for who for who? And yeah, Marion comes in, but it's also like she's about to almost say, like, for me too, I need you. Because that's your godfather. Yep. So technically that's yeah. her dad, right? Technically that's how that's but how it also, works. Oh. But at the same time, like she also tells him straight up, like after she brings it back, like you would have ruined everything to try to make it seem like, oh, you know, I think she it just, just says that though, especially kind of tough experience to yeah. make it as an excuse of like, that's why I brought you back. By the way, yeah. her slugging him was hilarious. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was that. Yeah. and I was like, damn. Yeah. What about the guy that was in the ship with Teddy? That's just like an Italian guy. Like I don't know what we're doing here. Back in the green. <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> Who the he's fuck was that guy? He's like, this yeah. is my plane. Some Please, are we didn't land on the plane, right? And yeah. I was like, Shit, those are my friends. My friends. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that it's because he needed a reason to find a way to fly the plane back up. I don't. I, but they didn't. You know, like it. it would be too unbelievable for. Teddy to be dodging fucking catapults and shit too, right. for real, and landing yeah. and also taking off from a very uneven thing where he when he barely made it on a fucking normal fucking yeah. runway. So they just needed that. Like this is a little they're bit like, more. What if realistic. it's more random Italian guy, sixty six ish years old? And they're like, I don't know. That sounds fucking crazy, but I'll I'll do it. So. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how they all fit in that plane. Taking a nap yeah. in the back of my plane, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for real. Yeah, right. that's yeah. Just randomly sleeping in the fucking plane. All right. I mean, it's just plane. It's more common than you think, I guess. Apparently, yeah. for pilots, especially if you have a, a early morning flight, you would just sleep in the plane. 
So it's like a truck driver, you know. You just you gotta okay. take a nap. Yeah, that's what I looked at it too. So I was like, all right. All right, and then again, the last scene. So after all of that, we're going in. We Marion shows up, um, surprisingly enough. Waterfall. James cried over there too. Like, what happened there, buddy? When yeah. they did the callback to where where it doesn't hurt, I was like, "Fuck, hold it together." Yeah, it was good. Hold it together, you goddamn bitch. <laughs> that was four movies. He looked over <laughs> and I was like, "I got a little motion there, man." I was like, "Fuck again." I was like, "We gotta stop watching movies in this theater together." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking terrible. squeezing each other's hands and shit. He's like, it's yeah. gonna be okay, man. You know, it's just a movie, right? I was like, shut up. <laughs> just fucking hold me. <laughs> yeah, no, that was um a really touching okay. scene. Yeah. I love the callback that they did. You know, I was shocked nice. she was in it actually. I was like, oh shit, I brought her back. Same. So, I'm, I'm like, was, holy like shit. All right, and here we go. But I, I, mean, I, I like that. Yeah. And they did big kiss, little kiss, big kiss, big hug, little hug, yeah. little hug, big kiss. And again, I was expecting fucking <laughs> short round to burst through that fucking door. I was like, please, please. You know how he knew he was in the movie no matter what? Because like when him and um, Harrison, like only like two it months ago, like a long word, time. it seemed like they hadn't seen each other in 40 years. I was like, yeah. oh, he's definitely not in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt the same way too. I was like, maybe he knew it was. I remember I mean, for the Golden Globe Awards, I think, or some shit, or one of them, yeah. Harrison is like, yeah. I, I, he, like, he snuck up on him. He's like, holy shit, are you, are you short round? He, he called him short old? round, for fuck's sake. I was like, <laughs> Harrison doesn't know his real name. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kevin Corman. man. It's not a big deal. Whatever, it's fine. But that's how I knew. But I was like, that's right. cool, though. They rekindled their friendship. I mean, he probably saw him as like a dad. So, yeah. That's the first film he worked on. So, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. a lot of uh, uh, inspiration from him. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of our overall thoughts of this film. But before we uh, end this podcast, let's talk about the rankings I knew we of had our to do Indiana it. Jones I, films. I, had to add it, I know this could have been a topic, probably, but we were like, you know, fucking rank these bitches, cause no, I'm, I'm with you. You know, there's there's history here. Probably the last time we're gonna do this for at least a Harrison Ford film. Yeah, so I'm gonna start with you, James. How did you rank these Indiana Jones films? What was your top? What was your last? Everything in the middle. Where were you? So at? you just wanted to rank all five? <laughs> I just rank them, buddy. Let us know which one's the shittiest one. I okay. First off, I don't think any of these movies are shitty. Just let so you know. Like I, I've Some, watched these I movies throughout respect. years, so I don't think there's a bad Indiana Jones movie. So it's just better ones than others. I mean, but they're all technically fresh, so you know they are fresh to death, mm-hmm. right? That's right. So if I was to rank them, it, it's definitely for me still Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite one. That's number one. It's hard to beat that movie. I think my second one's still going to be Last Crusade. Then I'm going to go Dial of Destiny, Temple of Doom, and then King of the Crystal Skull. Very cool. Because I'm going to yeah. say this much. I usually like Temple of Doom a lot more, but for some reason, this rewatch, I don't know. I didn't like it as much this time around. I don't know. I'm just letting you know. That's all. Yeah. Marco? Or, and plus I the elephant you. molested uh, Willie. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> she did. Quite a bit. Touch He's getting touchy. Touch little daddy. handsy. Marco. Or sorry. Marco, look at me. titties, <laughs> 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 oh, I, 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 man, we're, I did fail to say in Tetra, we, we got to see the Flash's bomb's tits, so, you know, on her ass. But anyway, oh. it's like, I was okay that with that. By the way, I was okay with that. that. Ain't, yeah. No, you see her naked in, uh, Itumamata Mina anyway. But anyway, it was a nice, it was uh, a nice reminder, though, is all I'm saying. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, 
little opposite of James. I, I still rank Temple of Doom first because it's the first Indiana Jones movie I ever saw and it holds a lot of memories for me. I watched that movie religiously. So Temple of Doom, um, say Raiders of the Lost Ark, Dial of Destiny, Last Crusade, Kingdom of Crystal Skull is my ranking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, tru- and, truth- and truthfully, Lost Ark and Dial of Destiny could probably be tied for me. Oh, okay. Damn, baby. Damn, baby. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Uh, I'm Raiders of Lost Ark, so my number one. Uh, my number two is Temple of the Doom. Uh, and then my three is Dial of Destiny, and uh, then it's Last Crusade and King of the Crystal Skull. And for me, Last Crusade, Dial of Destiny, they kind of go back and forth. I've, I enjoy both those films kind of in the same level. They were really good. Yeah, um, but kind, kind but of akin can. to what James is saying, like, <clears throat> there, there is no Band Indiana Jones movie for me. And no. even yeah. like my rankings, I could watch, I could pop in any one of these movies and have fun and watch them. Yeah, have a good time. Exactly. Yeah, 100% agree. All right, so that's the end of the podcast. Thank you guys and gals Yay, for listening. It was a good time. Marco, let them know how they can reach us. Listen and follow us in this timeline or another on any of your favorite podcast service. Trust us, we're on all of them. But for a quick link to all our socials, visit linktree slash moviepalspod. Thank you, and make sure to smash that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And make sure to also stay tuned for our next episode, episode number 154, where we will be reviewing my favorite film of the year, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one, as well as completing our Coppola Corner with our review of Betwixt Now and Sunrise, the authentic cut. Thank you, Nabil. Until next time, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one.